0: Hey everybody, you are listening to the 40th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about baseball, drinks, Wagyu beef, and everything else under the sun. I'm DiCarlo Calloway, alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we're born in the USA, checking in on what's happening back in time at Euro 2020, see a Rembrandt painting the way he intended, thanks to the power of science. And we marched for George Washington after some beef with the French. So want to start off this episode like we do all of our previous 39 episodes by talking about what it is that we are drinking while we are recording this podcast. And today I am sipping on a Heineken lager, which is always a go-to lager, especially on these hot summer days. My goodness, the temperatures and the heat has been ridiculous and shout out to the people out in the pacific northwest who are having to deal with extreme temperatures like it's even crazier over there but at least this heineken in my hand is uh, helping me feel a little bit cooler on an otherwise hot day so what's going on with you dorian what are you drinking this beautiful afternoon carlo
1: happy fourth of july happy over the hill yes. by the way this is this is our 40th episode we are now officially over the hill in when it comes to podcasting you know no one uses that anymore no one says over the hill at least no at because least the Africa.
0: line has been pushed what? back so much because like when you're like 50 a lot of the time people are yeah they're healthier they're not really like old anymore like it was one point when people hit 50 it was almost like oh my god you maybe have 10 years left you know so uh. that's true
1: so on the 4th of july we're both drinking beers because it's hot as heck all over the United States, especially the poor people in the, North, the Pacific Northwest and also our friends in Canada. Cheers to the Stars and Stripes. Salute so, the flag. I'm drinking a beer called Tiny Purple Fishes. It's a Belgian-style amber ale in a 32-ounce crowler from a local American brewery called moptown Brewing Company in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm going to have a drink right now. One of your esteemed hosts has spent a good amount of time in Baltimore, and I know he loves B-more, the, the home of the Ravens, the home of Robert. It's the home
0: of the wire, man. don't get it. Twisted. Home of the,
1: I was about to get there. On, City.
0: You know, we're, we Hands are big up, fans of the thumbs wire Thumbs down, represent that v Shout-out to all people out in Baltimore. Nah, I actually went out – I went to college in Baltimore. And it's one of those cities that you – like, if you're from there, it's – it's home, you you know, you're always gonna, it's gonna have a certain level of uh, nostalgia for you. And if you spent time there, you develop a certain level of nostalgia as well too. So I love that town. I had a love-hate relationship with it when I was there, but it helped cultivate me into the man that I am today. So nothing but love. And I'm looking forward to going down there and representing that Morgan State's homecoming this October. So shout out to Morgan State, shout out to Baltimore,
1: it helped cultivate DiCarlo into the good American patriot that he is today. And on the 4th of July, we love barbecuing. We love drinking beer. We love uh, wearing uh, Stars and Stripes underwear. DiCarlo, what is your favorite patriotic song of in the past, I don't know, whatever, 250 years of this country? What's your favorite
0: patriotic song? Living in America, I feel good. James Brown, man. Oh, that's about to say that, Yeah, James Brown. Yeah,
1: oh living God, in that, America. That was uh, what? When was that performance? That was in. That was for the um... Rocky
0: Four. Oh, he did that in Rocky Four. You remember Rocky Four when Apollo Cree first fought Drago, and it was a whole study, and he was singing out Apollo, and it kind of sucked because Apollo got his ass beat and died.
1: I thought <laughs> that that was a performance in the, in the great documentary people, but the document this documentary just came out like. I don't know 20 years ago when we were Kings about the Ali Foreman fight in mm-hmm. Zaire which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo mm-hmm. I thought that was the performance and anyways he might,
0: have. He might you Brown know what? honestly perform. he might have it's James Brown he did a million Yeah million he did
1: million. perform in Zaire back in 75 I want to say I don't I don't really remember. Yeah, because that dictator who I forget why is his name slipping. Mobutu right ses Seko, which in one of the Congolese yeah, languages it means
0: he who leaves no hen unturned. Wink wink. No, yeah, my <laughs> man was a billionaire by the time he was like left Ugh. African dictators. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, no, any any dictator.
0: No, I but is, especially African dictator. I'm sorry. Like they, they have there's a certain level of like extravagance this is a, as a black person we, we have a level of extravagance so then when you add dictatorship and authoritarianism to it, it it's an even <laughs> it's even more profound so yeah
1: and yeah, so our, our HVP research analyst the think tank here at hbp tells me that the the, the four men ali fight was in 1974 in zaire Mobutu Sese Seko, the guy. Oh, oh my God! You know, I'm not gonna do it now, but I would love to do a little uh, flashback history segment on Sese Seko in the future. His crazy extravagance—it was disgusting.
0: Yeah. Anyways,
1: yeah. so hit, your favorite song is that James Brown song, which you sang, but you didn't tell me what the name of it what, Living what was. Living in
0: America—that's the oh, name. That's of right.
1: It. You are correct, sir. I thought about this as well because I knew I was gonna ask you this, and I'm like, usually I don't have. A favorite thing I have I enjoy a few things. I was thinking of uh this land is your land, this land is my land because I remember we, we always used to sing that at elementary school and also uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy because I all I only remember having to dance or play duck duck goose to it. I, there was always some kind of physical running when it came to Yankee Doodle Dandy. I don't remember what it is. And then for sentimentality, I want to go with "My Country is of the Sweet Land of." You mean God Save the Queen? Exactly. <laughs> God <laughs> Save the Queen. And you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock you here. I am not the biggest fan of the stars, uh, the Star Spangled Banner. I don't think it's that good of a song. Why don't you go home where you came from, you communist? calm down patriot it's not oh, that i don't like you know america what? do you want to it know what start-
0: it's, this- it, it's actually i think a lot of people tend to judge it if, in terms of how good of a song it is is because as a performer it's one of those songs that tests your range like you have to have a very solid range because a lot of people have messed up on it's not an easy song to sing it's a very difficult song to perform so if you do it well it's like oh my god and because of course it's a it's an anthem and if you really listen to the lyrics and think about what was taking place at the time in which it was written and you imagine that, it really does bring a certain level of like, wow, that's, that's pretty grand. It's almost like, you know, the typical story, like the, the idea of, say, being downtrodden on a battlefield, but, you know, at the last second, your, your energy is completely just like you're devoid of it all. And then all of a sudden you see that flag there and it's still there. And you just like, oh my god, I have to keep going because if that flag is still there, then I definitely should be going too. So you know, you gotta you gotta think deeper about it.
1: I get that same feeling listening to a song from a great patriot named Toby Keith. God damn the Taliban. Those you know, those type of patriotic songs from Toby Keith.
0: <laughs> so the propaganda type. <laughs> like, you know something you were talking about just um like, you know how you used to have to sing, like, My Country to the Tis- T- D and all these, like, patriotic songs in, like, grade school? It's yeah. really interesting. And I remember that, too, like, you know, having to give the Pledge of Allegiance and, you know, God bless America, singing all these songs. And I'm like, man, it's like a propaganda. At the end of the day, it is. It's like it's programmed to make sure that the next generation buys into the, the ideology that you're putting out there. And it's just so interesting, like, as an adult, and you look at it in retrospect, you're like, oh, man, there was so much, like... Programming going on that I had no idea about, uh-uh.
1: and now these young kids are getting propagandated. They're being inoculated, inoculated. They're being inculcated, indoctrinated. Indo- indoctrinated through great patriotic songs like "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus, and also "God Damn the Taliban" by Toby Keith. So you're going to be here? you're going to be hearing a lot of that song, a lot of those songs. This Fourth of July week,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyways, so what is Especially the national water if you're riding in a boat? Yeah, of course,
1: you'll be hearing. Uh, not American woman. What's the?
0: Uh, yeah, you'll hear Lee Greenwood.
1: Uh, the, God bless
0: the USA for sure. That is a great song, though. That, that, is, is, a that is a great song, song. but it's kind of. You know what? The only thing I kind of get upset about it is that it's appropriated for conservatives, though. Like as a as a if you're a liberal or a moderate. You kind of can't get away with listening to it. Like it's a very like it's a good song, but then of course it's always like Lee Greenwood, like you know, that his politics are conservative, whatever. That's that's his that's his prerogative. But we're Americans just, on this. We're Americans on this podcast. Yeah, we are we're
1: gonna are just for you DiCarlo, we're gonna post God Bless America by Neil not Neil Diamond, uh, the other guy, Lee Greenwood. It's on God our, bless on the our USA. Twitter. God bless and God, God bless the USA as well. And God bless. <laughs> so, what is the actual national anthem in this country? The Star-Spangled Banner. People don't know that this—it's actually a poem. It was written by a 35-year-old lawyer named Francis Scott Key from Frederick, Maryland, which is in Maryland, but it's far from Baltimore. I don't know. It's I just, about an I, hour I see from in, Baltimore. Yeah, it was it's written more dur-
0: inward. It's closer towards Pen- like it's moving when you're clo- moving closer towards Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah. It, people it's in the middle of nowhere no offense to people from frederick fredericks frederick, frederick. it's in the middle of nowhere
0: i did you know it was funny in college I, did, I i briefly dated a girl from frederick maryland actually i actually been there before it? it's a nice town and fort Dietrich is there
1: God bless Fort Detrick. G- God you know, bless for, you know Fort Dietrich, Diedrich right? town, the s- place of liberty. No, I've never, well, not, I've never heard of it. I don't
0: know. No, you Fort Dietrich. That's where like the US keeps all of its yeah. uh, bioweapons.
1: <laughs> I'm not I don't want to go get coronavirus COVID-21. I'm not going there.
0: <laughs> mm. No, but the town is actually a really nice town. It's nice and cool. <laughs> it's one of those old towns that kind of just is there. And it's like it, it yeah, it, it's nice. It's cute.
1: Yeah, but what wasn't cute 200 years ago was the War of 1812, because it was during that war that Frederick Scott Key wrote this poem. And the, and the War of 1812 was actually fought over three years, uh, 1812 to 1815. So anyways, fast forward, Key had, he goes on board a British warship called the HMS Donant. HMS means his or her, whoever's the reigning monarch, his majesty's ship the HMS donut uh, to negotiate a prison release because the British had some American prisoners. Key wanted him back. But as they were doing that, the British were actually planning an attack on Baltimore. And so for security reasons, the British held key. And uh, I think he was on, he was on board with about two or three other Americans. So of course, because they would have let him, if they would have let key and his party go, they would have warned the Americans that the British were going to bomb them. So as we know, he watches the bombardment of Fort McHenry the night of, the, of September the 13th to the September 14th in, 18, in September of 1814. It must have been a beautiful, actually, it must have been, it's, like, it's, it's crazy to think. It must have been a beautiful Baltimore night in September while he was watching the British bombard Fort McHenry. So anyways, the HSS donant means... It's actually French because the, the British actually captured this uh, French ship and they made it an English warship. It's, it means thunderous. It's a perfect name for what they did to uh, Fort McHenry. So anyways, as we know, he saw a flag. It was still standing there the next morning. And he had a, and he as he's watching this, he's getting inspired. He has a letter in his back pocket and he starts writing poems. Uh, he starts writing what he's feeling. And once he's released, the British release him on the sixteenth of September. He goes to the Indian Queen Hotel. When I looked this up to Carl, it doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. You know, unfortunately, Baltimore is one of these post-industrial cities where a lot of the beautiful buildings are gone. But he ends up spending the night at the Indian at the Indian Queen Hotel in Baltimore, and he completes the four verses of the poem. And today, it's it's uh, it's a poem, and the the, le- the lyrics were set to a song called the and in heaven, which is actually a British club song, way back from the 18th century. And when it comes to baseball, because of course, for this is hipster baseball podcast, HVP, we always have to stand for the national anthem at the beginning. Baseball was actually the star spangled banner was performed at a baseball game the first time in 1897 in Philadelphia. So it's been a good while, but that it wasn't a tradition until World War II, which is 50 years later, that started playing the Star-Spangled Banner at every baseball game. And actually DiCarlo, even though we're saying that maybe Party in the USA, American Woman by the Guess Who, uh, Damn the Taliban by Toby Keith should be the national anthem. Actually, the unofficial national anthem was this song called Hail Columbia, not the country Columbia, but like the university in in, in Morningside in Manhattan is Columbia, C-O-L-U, M B I A. And I'm also going to post that on the on the Twitter handle so you guys hear what that says. Cause do you guys hear what it would have been if that would have been our national anthem? So, but uh, and they still use Hail Columbia today, by the way, people. That is the song of the vice president. So the vice president shows up to an event before he or she comes out, they play. Ale Columbia, and I, and you will listen to it on the Fourth of July when I post it on the tweet. So, Carlo, we told everyone what our favorite patriotic song is, but what's your favorite rendition of the Star Spangled Banner?
0: I would have to say Carl Lewis's rendition and Michael Jordan's sister's rendition, and I'm no. being completely facetious. They were terrible. Like I mean, it's so bad. I, I remember this old. Uh, it was a Sports Center clip when they showed him. And he was singing. He was singing the national anthem, I think, to open a Nets game, and you could see like Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson cringing as he's singing. He's like, "Oh, oh!" He's like, he's trying to hit the, the high note. He's like, "When the Rockets run down! like it did this like heart, it, it, like broke out," and he said, "Oh no, yeah, hold on, I finished it." it was so...
1: Yeah, that was back. Yeah, that was back in '93. You're right with the when the Nets were playing the Bulls.
0: Oh, it was so bad. And then, yeah, and then there was a time Michael Jordan's sisters sung at a, at a Bulls game. I haven't found this one in a long time, but oh my goodness, it was so bad. It was so bad. Um, But otherwise, in terms of, say, like, actually good renditions, Whitney Houston, of course, no doubt about it. Super Bowl, 1992. 1991, my friend. Oh, 91. Uh, 91 January, 90, in 1991. I was, in, I was in the right ballpark, whatever. But Because that one made you, that gave you chills and your hair stood up on your arms. Like, that seriously made you want to sit back and just start shooting bullets in the air screaming America.
1: That was a very patriotic time in this country and not in a bad way. That's like how it is now. That was Desert Storm. In uh, it was Operation Desert Shield, and then it became Operation Desert Storm. And General Schwarzkopf was the, the, the commanding officer of, of American forces in the Middle Storm East out of Norman. Saudi Arabia. Storm and Norman great man. I don't know if he's still alive. No, I he's know he had a heart issue a lot. He's dead. Time. He oh, died like five well, years ago. We Well, we love General Schwarzkopf here, uh, as, as most great Americans do. And uh, that was a very patriotic time. And that was honestly the last. I think that was the last foreign conflict that the the entire country was behind. Because it was for, I don't want to say a good reason, but it was for an actual good cause for a change. Anyways, let's not delve too much into politics. My facetious favorite rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner was Fergie's song, uh, Fergie's national anthem from the the Black Eyed Peas. Back in 2018, that's the one, DeGarlo, everyone had, like, I think was this before memes or just at the cusp of how memes just took over social media that they had the video, the the camera was panning towards all of the all-stars and they were all like, like looking down or covering their face at how bad it was. I still remember Draymond Green, the all-star forward from the Golden State Warriors. He's like, he's like trying not to bust out laughing and he's looking at other people. And he's almost like, are you listening to what I'm listening to? That was awesome. People look it up Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas singing the yeah. national anthem.
0: That was the NBA All-Star, All-Star Game yeah. in 2018. So bad. <laughs> she was trying some next stuff and it's like, what are you doing? Like I don't know. Yeah. You know, I remember was, that was a whole thing like, yeah. like the next day for like a good 3 days. That was something everybody was talking about.
1: But on the flip side, my actual favorite rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner was also at an nba all-star game in los angeles but it was 1983 by the great marvin Gaye. that's an that is yeah that was a good I, I i honestly don't know how you get better than that. i mean we i mean whitney houston and different marvin Gaye,
0: it was different styles right, like whitney just... houston was like it, it, for the moment in which it happened it was like, oh and and Marvin Gaye for where he was performing it and the type of sport, too, like basketball, like, it's smooth, it's silky. You yeah, know, he mm-hmm. came in and played, like, and this was not so long after, I think, um, Sexual Healing came out, too, because that was his, that. like, album that he put out in the early 80s before, unfortunately, he was tragically murdered by his father. But anyway. um, Yeah, That's so, crazy. but yeah, I was that was one that most critics would say. Those are, like, the top two, most people would say. Absolutely. Star Spangled Banner
1: editions. Absolutely. So, listener, our friend, if you, when you were playing the Star Spangled Banner by Marvin Gaye to start your grilling this weekend on the 4th of July, when you're playing your Toby Keith to make sure that you're going to go.
0: Goddamn the Taliban. Goddamn the Taliban. Even uh, though the Taliban never actually attacked us, I don't. <laughs> where, Not the homeland. I mean, after we went in there and threw them out, but
1: where know. the hell is Turkmenistan? Uh, that's that's the follow-up hit to goddamn the Taliban. Anyways,
0: look at a map, Toby.
1: <laughs> Dumbass. Hey, hey Toby. Hey, to- Toby's a hey, Toby's a big patriot. Patriot. He's a big yeah, patriot of HBP, and he loves this, and no, he's he always don't. talking oh, great please. things about
0: this podcast because only keith can eat a cowboy hat i don't care <laughs> anyways and if he heard this then good anyway we want that you, smoke yes when you're
1: playing all your patriotic songs and you're grilling turkey burgers and hot dogs and, and possible burgers and whatever it is that you like chicken liberal
0: so we, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> sure whatever Hey, tweet a picture.
1: I'm just joking. Uh, whatever. I just whatever's coming to my mind. Whatever's coming to my foggy, uh, uh fishy what what the heck am I drinking here? I don't even know. Tiny Little purple blue, West, one fish,
0: blue fish, red fish, blue fish, something like that. <laughs> whatever's coming
1: to my tiny purple frit fishes brain of this beautiful beer from Baltimore, Maryland. Tweet us a picture of whatever it is you're drinking this week on the fourth of July. Our Twitter handle is at hpp forty forty. And we're gonna ret- we're gonna retweet them, my friend. Use the hashtag. HBP drink. Now we're going from talking about great patriotic American stuff, and we're going to talk about pan nationalism across the river, across the river, across the ocean, across the pond, and going to where De Carlos drink is from. That being Heineken from originally
0: from the Netherlands, from yeah, Europa. Yes, but now it is distributed from White Plains in the US. In New York. <laughs> New York, yeah. White Plains, New York. Yeah. So we're going back in time to Euro 2020, which is actually taking place now. So we just completed the round of 16. Did you happen to see any of the games?
1: The last game I saw, uh, I, uh, I saw Portugal play Belgium. That was what?
0: Yeah, I, that, I, I saw Earlier Portugal play like, Belgium. It was, well, no, last week. it was.
1: Yeah, because it was last week. Um, uh, there was a knockout game. It just, yeah, 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 it was, uh, yeah, that's the last, that's the last match I saw.
0: Yeah, so, as from that game, Belgium won one nothing. so Portugal is out the reigning, who were the reigning European champions, last time winning it in 2016, um, so Cristiano Ronaldo was out, it'll be interesting if this, this might be his last Euros, considering that he is 36 years old, but he's still better than most players who are professionals, like, so.
1: For mortals, as he's
0: still, like, 25 for actual mortals. Yeah, for mortals. But at the same time, it's like, what does he really want to do? And where is he going to go play? Because there's only – so like, there really isn't a lot of teams who could afford him, and he's dominated in every league. I think the only ones he hasn't played in is the French League and the German League, so. um, I think, yeah, he'd be better off playing in the German League than the French League. Yeah, he he would be. But I don't know if it would suit his style of play, though. But then again, who knows? They would say the same thing about Italy, too. Um, So he's out. Then we also had some really interesting upset. So for one, Switzerland knocked out France on penalties. So the world champ, yeah. So the world champs are out.
1: Incroyable.
0: Yes, and and the crazy thing was it was uh, Mbappe who was up, and his shot got saved. So he essentially lost it for the team. I mean, he didn't lose it for the team, but yeah, they lost. So France is knocked out of the competition. England, England. They beat Germany and they moved on, and it was actually a really, really good game. But Germany, they—I mean, it was pretty obvious from the beginning of the the tournament that Germany didn't have it. You know the.
1: God quote, save our gracious queen. God, long live our noble queen. Because it's coming home, baby. It's coming home. It's not coming home.
0: It actually if they might I' will gonna say that
1: every time they advance you're gonna say it's not coming at
0: all no but the, you know what as, as it's funny because as we sit here I'm actually wearing an England Jersey but <laughs> I mean it will be interesting to see they, they have a decent enough squad they actually have a really solid squad so and the teams that are left you know they they're it's it's not as though they're a really big big like so the big teams that you would imagine so France is out um France is out Portugal's out. The Netherlands is out, is out. They got knocked out by Denmark, which is almost like the Cinderella of the group, considering how Christian Eriksen suffered cardiac arrest, who was their star player, but they have been powering through. So they knocked out the Netherlands. Spain is still there. They beat, um, they beat Slovakia. They, they, no, no, it was Croatia. They played against Croatia. They beat, they beat Croatia. their ass. Yeah, they, they, they beat them they, down. They, they beat them pretty much down. Alvaro Morato finally got out of that brain fog he was playing in. uh Ukraine beat Sweden in the last minutes of extra time. But it was sad because Sweden also went down 10 men in the 98th minute. One of their defenders knocked out a play, like th- did a pretty bad tackle and got knocked out, like got thrown out of the game. Czech Republic moved on. And Italy. So we have Denmark. Oh, and Belgium. So Belgium, is they're still the clear favorites because they're the top-ranked team, but also have a really, really good squad. But the thing is, is that you also have Kevin De Bruyne and Aiden Hazard, who are questionable. Kevin De Bruyne is more, like, influential at this point. Aiden Hazard, ever since he went to Real Madrid, man, he's just, he's be, almost become like Fat Naldo in terms of his, like, work ethic and just not... Did you say anymore. fat? Did you say Fat Naldo? Yeah, you remember Ronaldo, like the great, I know like, who Ronaldo is. Yeah, and then he got fat. You remember? Oh, we're talking
1: about the original. I,
0: yeah, I think you are talking about
1: Cristiano because Cristiano no, used no, to no, play for no. Real for like ten years. So.
0: No, 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 not fat Ronaldo, like the his, original you know,
1: Brazilian Ronaldo.
0: Yeah, who was amazing and then got really, really fat. So, but yeah, he's his. his, his I think it's kind of turned into that. So Hazard isn't really like Hazard, yeah. the Belgian yeah. forward. Yeah. Okay. His brother is actually playing better than he has in the mm-hmm. past couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the quarterfinals, but the, 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 the tournament is progressing well, and that's pretty much all we got to say about the, the Euro. So we're about to fast forward back to 2021 and let Dorian tell us a little bit about our sponsors for today.
1: Our sponsors are Probably something you're going to be drinking this weekend, anyways, because it's not just about beers. You're going to be drinking Dutch beers produced in the White Plains, New York. You're going to be drinking your local craft brewery, whether it's in the state of Michigan, the state of Baltimore, the state of Baltimore, the state of Maryland, New Mexico, Texas, or wherever the hell Toby Keith is from. We we love you, brother. Uh, That was my my horrible Hulk Hogan. Anyways, we need to pay some bills here, people. We want to thank Tres Comas Añejo Tequila. And I know how much Americans love that tequila, baby. When you have to spell billions with an M, pour a shot of Tres Comas. It's the go-to fine liquor for those who are looking to rebillionize. When your investment in Pipe Piper pays off, celebrate with Tres Comas Añejo Tequila. Tequila makes you a little crazy.
0: Oh yeah. But sometimes, totally
1: sometimes you don't need to drink to be kind of kooky in the brain to make beautiful things.
0: Yeah, that's true. And so today we want to talk about something that came up interestingly enough, especially, and when it comes to the art world. So I don't know if anybody's heard. So there was this painting called The Night Watch, which was created by the great Dutch painter Rembrandt, and. It's been restored, utilizing artificial intelligence. So, so let me first kind of give you an overview. So, Dory, you ever heard of this painting before?
1: Yes, of course. Everyone has heard of it. Wait. No, I knew you've Star heard Night. of Rembrandt.
0: And that's Van Gogh, man. Really?
1: Sorry, I've I'm, I'm been drinking. What? what are, oh, Rembrandt. Okay. Uh, the Night Watch uh, doesn't ring a bell at, at the moment but oh, tell me more about
0: it. All right. So back in the 18th century, so the 1700s, um, there were sections of this painting, the Night Watch, that were cut off. And it was kind of crazy because this is how much that people really didn't value art. So, all right. So this the year, 1715, the canvas, and it was huge. It was a big canvas. It was cut down on all four sides so that it could fit on a wall between two doors in the Amsterdam town hall. So, the, the, the people who were living at this time said, you know what, eh, it's a little too big, let's just cut it down so we could get it on this wall. And so it's completely like degraded how the painting was and essentially taking away the vision of Rembrandt. And as a result, like these pieces were lost and you know, the trimmings, like the trim painting itself has been housed at the Rieks Museum. Um, my Dutch isn't great, so it probably sounds bad. And it's been like on display in the gallery of honor, but now our intelligence with this new technology, which includes scanning, excuse me, and AI, they've reconstructed the severed parts and hung them next to the original to give an idea of how, Rem- how Rembrandt would have intended the painting. So the people at the time were like, all right, it's too big, cut it down. Rembrandt had a different vision, which of course any artist, if he would have known this, it would have probably like, Hit the fan because artists are extremely sensitive about their art. But you know, what come say like four, almost three hundred, almost four hundred years later, we have uh, technology being able to uh, restore some of that. So it gives contemporary men the opportunity to see what Rembrandt intended for everybody to see back then in 1715. Yeah, th- this, this. Portrait, by the way, people is
1: older than the song "Hail Columbia." It's from 1642, my friend. That's my that's my that's what the bullpen here, the research associates at HPP is telling me. Mm. And the Night Watch is actually, yeah, it's in the Rijks <sighs> Museum. I don't know that. I just know that the Dutch go <sighs> a lot. It's in Amsterdam, and it's, uh it's also called militia company of district two under the command of captain Franz Baninik Baninik Kok. i totally messed that up so forgive us any of our dutch listeners and uh, it's very it's a very dark not like dark as in menacing but it's just it's a lot of black and for those of you who are painters or enjoy great paintings black is the hardest color to paint with because it basically just wipes everything out or the the very it's almost it's like a black hole like it just sucks all the lighting out so it's incredibly difficult to paint that's one it black is not is, is usually not a color that that you will be painting with if you take some intro or even mid-level painting classes uh, black is very very difficult but not for a great master like rembrandt so Go online if you're not in. Or if, go online or take a take a flight to Amsterdam. You know, get get your shots or, or or don't or just go to Amsterdam. Wear your mask and you'll see this beautiful, the night watch. And here I was thinking it was Van Gogh. <laughs> but speaking of Back to the Future, I'm so I'm I'm drinking right now. People, we're gonna go from the 1600s. To relatively more recent time, to the 1700s, back to, closer to when America was formed, but not yet. It was a nebulous in this in our in our last segment called the Dewey Decimal System, A.K.A. Lost in History. I want to talk about a young, strapping, promising British officer. He looks like he has a bright future. A young man by the name of Colonel George Washington. And we're going to tell Colonel Washington, don't have a cow, man. (laughs) We're going back to the year 1752. DeCarlo, what in the world were you doing in 1752? Just dating in somebody else's DNA. In somebody else. In that person's DNA. In that person's DNA. In that person's DNA. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But in 1752, there was a 20-year-old man who took an oath of allegiance because he he was loyal to his king that he loved, King George II. And he became an army officer in the Virginia militia. This young man was called George Washington. So who cares? This is why you're gonna care. The governor of Virginia at that time, Robert Dinwiddie, he was really concerned that the French, because remember um, there was no 13 colonies back then. It was just a British, it was a British colony. So they were concerned that the French were building forts along the Ohio River.
0: Well, there were colonies, though.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. No, there was no America. It was just the colonies. Yeah, it was the first colonies. colonies.
0: Yeah, first yeah colony. That, that's I what thought I you said there were
1: no colonies. I'm like, there were colonies. There's no, no I, I could have said that. I could have said that. But right. thank you for, for potentially... Yeah,
0: you know, that got me. I was like, huh? Ah. But yeah, so no states.
1: Absolutely. So the French were building uh, forts along the Ohio River because they said, oh, this is part of uh, Louisiana which is Louisiana. And, uh, and Governor Dinwiddie was like, uh, -uh, uh -uh, no, uh, no, 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 no. He goes, you must stop this because also the, the Anglo company called the Ohio company was scouting that part of the Ohio river for its fur trading business. But Governor Dinwiddie was a shareholder in the Ohio company. People, can you talk about ethics? Can you talk about conflict of interest? He would have immediately been investigated. The Wall Street Journal no, would have been all over know. this. No, yeah, he I wouldn't have. He would have Today. Not even. Today.
0: Not even. Not even. Anyways. It would have came out only if he would have pissed somebody off, and then that would have been revealed. But come on. There's so much, so much nefarious, dirty crap that goes on I, that most people are doubted
1: be- for it. This is why I love America. I believe in America that we're going to stamp out the, the rottenness and the criminality. And I would so, tell anyway, you,
0: don't believe in Dorian because he's completely <laughs> acting a fool right now because that's completely crap. Anyway. Okay, so
1: <laughs> George Washington swears the oath of allegiance to King George II in 1752. In 1753, October, nice fall crisp in the nor- in the Northeast. It's uh, getting uh, very nice, sweater weather, we call it now. Governor Dinwiddie, again, the governor of the, Brit- of the, of the Virginia colony, He sends Major Washington, and he says, Major Washington, you're going to go tell the French to leave and stop, uh, what do you call it, stop building forts. Ladies and gentlemen, the French have a certain way of being. They have a, yeah, they just have a way of being. And so Major Washington goes to the French and said, by the way, our governor said you got to stop building these sports and you got to get out of here at the Ohio River. As you can imagine, that didn't go exactly as planned because the French are like uh, one of my favorite shows from the 90s, Martin Payne. And he basically and the French basically told Major Washington.
0: Your ass up out of here.
1: That's exactly what happened They're like, You're going to get, we are going anywhere is what the. Uh, the French told George Washington so on the way to telling him this, he was, Major Washington was escorted by French patrols to go to Fort Boeuf in Pennsylvania. And for those of you who speak French, no. And those of you who don't speak French, LaBeouf means beef in French. So the French were like, again, trick or treat your ass off on out of here. I don't care. It's at October 1753. We aren't leaving. All right. A few months later. February. It's cold as heck. February, 1754. Governor Dinwiddie says, we're going to tell these damn French to get the hell out of here. And he promotes Major Washington to Lieutenant Colonel. And he says, Lieutenant Colonel Washington, you're going to go to the French and give them an ultimatum. 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 You better get out of here. And as you can imagine, the French didn't really care. What they basically told Lieutenant Colonel Washington was in your general direction your- yeah so that was uh, very rude of them by the way people that I fart in your general direction that's from the, the classic 1975 film Monty Python <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail so Lieutenant Colonel Washington says okay the French are being uncooperative <laughs> he decides to build Fort Necessity in Fayette County Pennsylvania it's nothing fancy. It's just one hut surrounded by a ring of logs. The French set a raiding party. to, And the, they heard about what Lieutenant Colonel Washington was doing. And so the French, De Carlo, these are gangsters. The French were straight up like the wire. They go around and they're like, oh, someone's coming in on our territory. They go around intimidating people and saying anyone they know who speaks English, they go around threatening them. One of those farms that they threatened was a good friend of Lieutenant Colonel Washington, a man by the name of Christopher Gist. The French went to him and said, if you don't leave this area, we're gonna kill your cow. La. People, this is the agricultural times. Like your farm animals are your way of living. Yep. Christopher, Christopher Gist goes to Fort Necessity and says, hey buddy, Lieutenant, my, my, my buddy George, Georgie, G-Dog. The French just called, just, the French soldiers just came to me and said, if I don't leave the area, they're gonna kill my cow. Cow is vache, and of course, a cow ultimately turns into beef. <laughs> Le boeuf equals beef. So, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Washington said, oh, hell no, you're not gonna mess with my friends. This is, these are my people. A few months later, on the 28th of May, Lieutenant Colonel Washington leads a raiding party with some allies from the Native American tribes and they ambush a French camp. They kill twelve French soldiers, including a diplomat, and twenty-three other Frenchmen were captured as uh, were just captured as prisoners of war. The French later said that the dead men were scalped. You know uh, you know we all learned this in in, in school. We, we all learned this in school. So the French accused Tenet Carassian a Seneca tribe leader from New York. He's actually, he's actually from Lake Erie. Tenne Harrison of scalping the French. And so the French, they want revenge. Wouldn't you want revenge, Carlo?
0: Yeah. I mean, of course they're going to want revenge. If of friends matter were scalped, of- no, it's a matter of, I mean, this is all pretext just to be able to go in the fight with them anyway. That's such a, it's an old school way of being able to do it. And then of course they got to retaliate, which they end up doing. Tenet Karasen said, "Look, man, this is the,
1: you brought this upon yourself, French, because you boiled and ate my father. It remind what what's that? What's that movie? Um, the uh, that fantasy movie. It's." oh my god, I'm losing it right now. It's the one where the, the father goes to the guy from uh, Fred Savage as a young kid. Remember, he stays home from being sick and he tells him that grand tale of that famous line of, uh, I am blah, 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 and you killed my father. It doesn't ring a bell. Andre the Giant was in it. Oh, The Princess Bride? The Princess Bride. It, that's what it basically is. That's Tennekarasin, the Native American from the Seneca tribe, is using the Prince's Bride, uh, the Prince's Bride logic of, you killed my father, now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so so, anyways, Washington and his boys from the Seneca tribe, they scalp these guys, they kill them. The French are mad. On the 3rd of July, in the summer, 1754, 3rd of July, that sounds oddly familiar. The French, uh, the, French, the French attacked Fort Necessity and the French commander said, Washington, you better surrender or our Native American allies are going to scalp you and all your boys, including Christopher Gist, and we're going to go scalp that damn cow that started this whole thing. Washington was like, let me consider this. While he's considering this surrender offer, his own militia the, from the Virginia militia breaks into the garrison of the fort. And end up getting drunk, just like you, my friend, are going to be doing this weekend, off of the rum. And Washington told them, do not drink. And, of course, they broke in and they drank it all. Ultimately, Washington signed the surrender document, but it was in French. And the the document stated that Washington himself was culpable, was responsible for the death and the scalping of the French soldiers. Washington ended up afterwards, he blamed his translator, who didn't tell him. What exactly he was signing? He just kind of like, uh maybe this guy just, you know, he failed tenth grade French. I have no idea. But uh, on the fourth, the very next day, on the the fourth of July, seventeen fifty four, Washington leads his boys, his soldiers, out of for necessity on the long march back to eastern uh, Virginia to tell Governor Dinwiddie. By the way, remember all that stuff about getting them kicked out? They're not going anywhere. Ultimately, this this started the French and Indian War over a conflict of interest, which you're saying, which would not be prosecuted today, the fact that the governor of Virginia had a business interest in a company that he went to go tell the French to get out of and Christopher Gist cow's life was threatened by the French and George Washington said, the French are not going to do this to my friend. Hmm. A global conflict, my friend, started over over a cow, over Filet mignon over some wagyu beef.
0: Isn't that how most conflicts usually start? Over some, over some stupid... Pre- well, no, over some stupid context that governing powers use as just a pretext to kill each other. So well, or have their, you know, citizens and subjects kill each other for their purposes. But anyway, need neither here nor there. But anyway, hey, everybody, I will shut up. Oh,
1: it's the, uh, we want to hear what you have to say, especially on the 4th of July, because freedom of speech, the Second Amendment. Is that the Second Amendment? No, the First Amendment, bro. Okay, sorry. The Second Amendment is the, uh, is the thing that helps goddamn and kill the Taliban. Ladies and gentlemen, happy 4th of July. Have a great time with your friends, with your family, whether you're drinking or whether you're not drinking with your pets, whoever it is. Tweet us a picture of how you are celebrating the 4th of July and we'll retweet it. Our Twitter handle, again, is at HBP4040. And if you're sending a picture of your pet with an American hat on, with whatever it is they're doing, use the hashtag HBPets, HBP ETS.
0: All right, everybody. Want to Thank you guys for listening. That's a wrap on our 40th episode. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at HBP 4040 and our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure that you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. Peace.